calibrate powerful digital speakers. Laser-aligned sounds perfected. Prepare audience for maximum impact. Audience engaged for full immersion. The world's most immersive movie experience begins... now. Welcome to Aspect Radio. I am Ben Flanagan. My guests this time are Graham Flanagan, my brother, who is a producer with Business Insider up in New York City, and Ben Stark, a frequent contributor and guest on Aspect Radio and a filmmaker in Huntsville, Alabama. Graham has recently produced a video package for Business Insider related to IMAX and the enhanced viewing experience that it supposedly offers for moviegoers, and you can check it out at businessinsider.com. But we're going to play you the package right now. Is it just me, or have IMAX screens gotten a lot smaller? Growing up, I associated IMAX with those gigantic screens that immersed you in amazing environments like the ocean floor, the Arctic wilderness, and outer space. I just paid $20.50 to see I, Frankenstein in IMAX 3D at the AMC 15 in Kipps Bay. And honestly, the screen looked a little puny. It's because IMAX no longer solely represents the experience that I had when I was a little kid. But they're not telling you that. The IMAX screen at Kipps Bay right behind me is 30 feet high and 64 feet wide. But a few blocks uptown at AMC's Lincoln Square 13, their IMAX screen is 80 feet high and 100 feet wide. The surface area for the IMAX screen at Lincoln Square is four times bigger than the one at Kipps Bay. The experiences are completely different, but they're both sold as the same IMAX experience for nearly the same price. So unless you're certain that the theater has a gigantic IMAX screen like the ones you grew up with, there's a chance that you're gonna be paying for what some people affectionately refer to as Limax. But I think that's a little harsh. I prefer to use the phrase IMAX Junior. The official slogan of IMAX is IMAX is believing. Well, if you expect me to believe that what I saw down at Kipps Bay was IMAX, well, it, it doesn't matter because they already have my money. So, Graham, you produced this recently for Business Insider, and people can go watch the video, which is a, a cleverly edited and written video at businessinsider.com. Tell me a little bit about where this got started, the genesis of why you put this thing together, because I know that you have been critical of IMAX in terms of what you called in the piece there, Limax or IMAX Junior, what wasn't what you considered an enhanced viewing experience for the moviegoers. So just talk a little bit about why you chose to produce that segment. Well, it's sort of been gestating for a long time with me. I remember reading as these Ansari's posts few years ago where he showed the difference between the screens and I thought it was interesting but it didn't really resonate with me in a major way because I just wasn't in the business of going to see movies in IMAX at that time. So years later when did Iron Man 2 came out, whenever that came out, uh, was it 2009 or 10? I ended up going to see that movie Iron Man 2 in New York at the AMC Multiplex on 34th Street with a buddy on the night that it came out and he had gotten IMAX 3D tickets, and so I was like, all right, well, those are the tickets that he got. I normally wouldn't have done that. I would have just gotten probably regular, maybe regular 3D at the most because it's so expensive. But we walked in the theater, and I looked at the screen, and I was like, there has to be some mistake. The screen is like the size of a regular movie screen, you know? I mean, it was a big screen, but nothing that seemed extraordinary or anything comparable to the IMAX screens that I had seen growing up at, you know, places like the Huntsville Space and Rocket Center. 
So I was just like, this is ridiculous. And, uh, you know, I know that it's been out there. There's a, a great article out there that Aziz Ansari references that shows the discrepancy. But there's not a lot of coverage out there in the media. I pitched it to my team and made a pretty passionate argument about it. And they, they were like, well, you should just do this on camera. And so in my research for it, I ended up talking to the IMAX Entertainment CEO, Greg Foster, and it just all sort of came together from there. Ben Stark, you are more of a proponent of IMAX, the enhanced viewing experience for the moviegoer as it is right now, and you've experienced it quite a number of times in Huntsville and perhaps elsewhere. Before we get to that, I just want to make a note that the price is different in different areas of the country. For instance, Graham in Manhattan, I know that at some AMC theaters it goes from twenty one fifty to twenty fifty for an adult. In Tuscaloosa, here in my hometown at the Cobb Hollywood sixteen, it's fourteen fifty for an adult and at the Carmike Valley Bend 18 in Huntsville IMAX is 15.25 for an adult and Ben before we came on here you mentioned that in a place like Nashville it's $18 so there seems to right. be a, a pretty considerable range in terms of how much people are going to pay for this IMAX experience but just sort of respond to what Graham is saying there I mean it, you seem to enjoy it and appreciate what IMAX is going for here in terms of the experience Right, yeah. I, I, every IMAX experience that I've had has been satisfactory to my expectations. Whenever they opened the digital IMAX screen at the Valley Bend that you mentioned there, I guess I never was under the understanding that it was going to be the two-story tall version or the dome version, which we already have a dome version in, in Huntsville, and it's actually one of the only ones in the southeast and one of the first ones in the country that they put up in the 70s. And I was hoping it would be that because it, that viewing experience is completely different because the films are produced differently. But for a feature film that uses a lot of digital effects and complex sound recording and mixing, the best experience I can have watching the movie that is available to me without driving two hours is the IMAX screen. And whenever they open that, that one at the Valley Bend, that's when I made sure that that was going to be how I saw the movies that I really, really wanted to see that were available that way. So for me, it's it's less about the brand and what the brand means and more about all right, what experience am I getting and what expectations am I setting for myself before I go in. Graham, before you take over here, I'm just curious, Ben, is IMAX automatic for you now when it comes to big releases? I know you're not seeing every movie in an IMAX setting because, I mean, obviously every movie isn't available that way, but, I mean, typically if a movie that you really want to see is released through IMAX and you can see it in an IMAX theater, are you going to do that? Yes. I mean, it depends on how much I'm anticipating the movie and where it's available. So probably the best comparison is, let's say, Super 8 and The Dark Knight Rises. Both of those movies I was anticipating before they came out. Super 8 was playing here in town on the IMAX screen, not in 3D, on the digital IMAX screen at the Valley Bend, not in 3D. And I think that may have been my first experience with it. I wasn't sure exactly what I was going to get, but the tickets weren't that much more expensive, so that's just how we went to see it. And I was blown away. I mean, it was the best sound I had. The projection was crystal clear. It was nice and bright. It was a big screen. It was a bigger screen than the other screens in the theater. The sound was just like earth shattering. And I really enjoyed myself. Whenever The Dark Knight Rises came out, they announced that it was going to be playing in full 70 millimeter full frame IMAX at participating theaters. And some of that was actually shot in IMAX. So for that, I made a day trip of it, and we drove to Nashville to see it on the 70-millimeter IMAX screen, which is the full two-story non-dome version of IMAX. So that's two examples of 
movies I was anticipating that I met my level of anticipation with my level of commitment to seeing them how I want to see them. Now, right now, if I wanted to go, well, Gravity is back in IMAX 3D here in town, and I might actually go check that out again since it's playing again. But before that, it was I, Frankenstein. That's not a movie I'm going to watch in IMAX if I ever watch it. So it's more about the movie than it is about the screen. Well, the way that you describe the IMAX experience, the digital IMAX experience at your, your theater in Huntsville, you said big screen, great sound, and great bright picture, right? Those things are what I expect in any movie theater that's run by a large chain like AMC or Regal. I expect a great digital sound system. I expect top-of-the-line digital projection. But I'm not going to pay an extra premium just so I can be assured that I have those attributes that should go along with my movie experience to get a slightly bigger screen. I mean, I'm a fan of the IMAX brand. I always have been. I probably always will be because I think that what they do is amazing. But a big component of the IMAX experience for me, not the most important component, is a gigantic screen. Not just the resolution of the picture that we're seeing, not just the quality of the sound. You have to have those as well. But you can't take two components out of that combination and then slap it on a much smaller screen and tell me that it's still IMAX, it's still worthy of that brand. That's my issue here. You know, yeah, I don't I don't but, fault anybody at all for wanting great sound or great pictures. But that is the basic expectation that I have of a multiplex like that, not of an art house. I know they have much smaller screens and often antiquated sound systems, but an AMC multiplex, you better have a giant screen and you better have great sound if I'm watching a movie in 2D, 3D, or IMAX. Yeah, I mean, I can see that, but I think that it seems like what's at issue here is your personal perspective. And I think that most people, IMAX doesn't mean the same thing to them. I think a lot of people haven't thought of IMAX since they went on a field trip to go to Space and Rocket Center or to a science museum or something when they were kids. And I found this blog called destroyfakeimax.blogspot.com. And this guy posted an article from 2009, right about when the Aziz Ansari stuff hit. And it was with IMAX CEO Richard Gelfand said that IMAX hired a market research firm to determine how serious this issue is versus the screen size and, and what the expectations are. And he basically said if they don't think that enough people are bothered by it, they're not going to do anything about it. And I don't like that. I don't think that's a good idea. I think that if you're a movie company and you, even if a small segment of your demographic are just the hardcore movie fans like you and me, they're going to know the difference. You should still go a good length to service them. So, I mean, I, I sympathize with you. I'm not as outraged. But all along, I do think that they need to have at least separated the brands out, you know, and make a, a hard line between 70 millimeter IMAX and digital IMAX or Minimax or Dome IMAX well, and all these different things. Because in Huntsville, up until 2009 or 10, or maybe even 2011, whenever the Valley Bend IMAX screen opened up, if you said IMAX in Huntsville, you don't think about a big two-story tall wall. You think of a big dome. So that's an IMAX branding problem that goes back 20 years. Well, it's interesting, you know, what I learned about sort of what IMAX Digital is and the process that's behind it. You know, like, you've got the domes, like the one in, in Huntsville, and you, then you've also got the giant two-story 70-millimeter theaters, like the one uh, up here at, on the Upper West Side. But theaters like the one you're describing in Huntsville and the one in Tuscaloosa and the one in New York at Kips Bay and Times Square and Penn Station, 
where they have digital IMAX. Basically, IMAX goes in to a theater at an AMC multiplex, and they say, okay, you want IMAX, we're here. You have to give us the biggest house in your multiplex. So in Tuscaloosa, that theater that houses the IMAX screen and projectors and sound systems is the largest room with the most capacity. So they go ahead and they take that. That's part of the deal every time. And then they install the projectors, they install the sound systems, and then they stretch out the screen as far as they can width-wise and to the ceiling as well. So they basically just they make the screen as big as they can within the confines of that particular space. So that's sort of the process of how they're going into theaters that exist, and they're not necessarily like building new facilities. They're just retrofitting and repurposing auditoriums in pre-existing movie houses that I thought. Well, you know, it's an interesting process. You know, it's kind of a shame to me that I can't go and see a 2D presentation of The Wolf of Wall Street on the biggest screen in, in the house that the, at a multiplex because IMAX made the deal with that multiplex that they get the biggest room. And so instead of seeing Wolf of Wall Street projected on this on a huge screen, I Frankenstein is taking up that room. And I have to kind of downgrade and see Wolf of Wall Street on like more of a mid-range, smaller screen. But that's another negative impact that this is having on the movie-going experience. Like, I can't go see her on a gigantic screen in that multiplex. You know, I might have wanted to, but I Frankenstein is in there. Jack Ryan's Shadow Recruit is in there. But that's just another aspect we didn't really get to touch on in terms of the process that goes into it. I don't understand why IMAX doesn't educate their audiences about how they do that, because that sounds like a really cool process. They're very transparent about that. That was like on the record. And, and also, there's a really interesting video on their YouTube channel, IMAX Movies, which does have a lot of really compelling material regarding the technology, regarding the process of IMAX, and they're always updating it with filmmakers talking about their movies and the what they shot in IMAX or what they re- converted to be in IMAX. But there's a really cool video that they basically retrofitted the old Chinese theater in Hollywood to be in a digital IMAX arena or auditorium. And they have a great time-lapse video that shows them just knocking everything in that theater down and tearing it out and just building it back up from scratch. You can see the process. And, you know, you said it is personal preference, Ben. I mean, I, I get that. But as our Ben and my dad always says, it's my money. <laughs> and I think that, like her said, people do have a right to know. They should know and shouldn't go into a theater labeled as IMAX. They have a different understanding of what IMAX is because that's what the company used to solely represent. And then they get in there, they're disappointed. The screen is a third of the size or a quarter of the size in some cases of what they're expecting. They've already paid the $20 and they can either leave before the movie's over and get their money back or just sit there and bear it and be out, you know, $20 a ticket. Well, I mean, I would still argue that from the beginning, IMAX has meant many things and that even all those giant 70 millimeter screens aren't, again, that's not what IMAX meant to me when I was a kid. It meant the Omnimax, the big dome. And that's why when they started showing movies, feature films in IMAX, I was always like, well, that's weird. That would look really weird on the dome. And then I discovered, oh, there's actually flat IMAX screens. So I think that if anything, it reveals that they started as a museum novelty and have become a consumer company. And I think they've kind of bungled their brand management a little bit. And that could potentially irritate some people. I do think that the only people that are going to really care and are going to be outraged are people like you and me that are probably going to know better before they go in. You were shocked by this in 2009 when they started the retrofit. But to me, the outrage of how they're handling that and how some people may have gotten built better than money for six months in 2009, that is a lot less to me than 
the fact that this experience is available to me and I'm willing to pay for it. And I think that one of the most interesting things you said so far is that they basically go in and they're showing these theater chains how it should be done. And that's a shame. I agree with that. But I think that only goes to show that IMAX is, for better or worse, the best movie-going experience you can have because nobody else is delivering it, even the chains that IMAX is exploiting to put their screens into, you know? Yeah, a lot of times in theaters, you know, and this is an entirely different conversation that's definitely related to this topic, but you've got a really nice theater that's capable of having insane projection quality and resolution and, and perfectly balanced, loud sound. But the personnel at the theater who's running the sound system, making sure everything's working, they might not be as invested in what's going on yeah. because they're low-paying jobs, you know? And sure, so you're yeah. not going to get 100% of the time, you're not going to get somebody that really cares and really wants it to be spectacular and, and worth the money. It's a lot of times somebody that's just like, whatever, and they might as well be yeah. working at some other low-paying job, and that's always a risk that you face. And talking to the, the CEO, they care. You know, this guy really cares. You know, once we got a lot of the, the sort of stuff out of the way regarding the difference in sizes and all that, we, we started kind of geeking out about interstellar and gravity and all this. And, you know, they care, and they basically – all the sound systems and all the IMAX theaters are, like, linked back to their headquarters, and they're actually controlled from their headquarters so that they can make sure that the sound is properly configured and the levels are, are right. So they care, and that's nice. To me, it just really comes down to the size of the screen. I, I mean, I think that all screens should be big. To me, it's not worth paying a, a premium just to get what I think should be part of the ticket price. Right. I'm saying that that falls onto the theater chains to begin with and not the proprietor of the equipment. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I, I think we can agree that the theater chains can't rely on IMAX to save their industry. And right now, that's kind of how it goes. Because if I go see a movie that I really care about at the car mic and it's not going to be an IMAX, I'm rolling the dice. I mean, I've gone plenty of times and it's been dim. The projector, the projection bulb is clearly old and the sound is wonky. There's your gamble. I don't think the IMAX experience is a gamble. I think if you know what you're getting in terms of screen size, I think you're going to get what you pay for every single time unless the movie itself is, is it's just a waste of money. But that's why you don't go see I Frankenstein in IMAX. Graham, in your initial reporting, you spoke to current IMAX Entertainment CEO Greg Foster, and you mentioned they don't deny the discrepancy that you introduce and that you focus on in your piece. And the quote that you have here is sort of in the text of your piece on businessinsider.com. It says, if there are people out there who have a problem with it, they're not telling us. And I was just wondering, once you brought all this up, and, and I, I know that you know, you're not being accusatory here because, I mean, you're talking about facts and actual dimensions that they certainly acknowledge and that you mentioned they don't deny, but did you get any sort of sense, or, or was he or anybody else with the IMAX in any way defensive? Were they particularly defensive of what you were talking about here, or do they seem pretty comfortable with what they're doing, and do they seem pretty comfortable when somebody like you or Aziz Ansari comes out and calls them out for what they're doing? Well, I think that on the surface, the piece might seem like it's negative, critical of IMAX, because the headline says, like, here's their dirty secret. I mean, it's not necessarily a secret. Those are the very effective headlines. But no, I mean, they obviously don't want attention drawn to their company that could be potentially negative. But obviously, this has been out there. And he got excited and, and basically said, nobody cares. Nobody says anything about this to me. So they've got somebody at IMAX that's in, in charge of quality control, whose job it is to make sure that you know, they're hearing all the concerns. And he said that, that, that even though this has come up, it's not, as Ben said, it's not a serious enough issue to derail 
what their goals are and what they're what they're trying to implement and how they're trying to grow. I mean, ben Stark said a lot of the things almost word for word that Greg Foster said in terms of the experience, the quality of the resolution, the sound, and just the overall presentation that you're guaranteed to get when you pay for the IMAX experience ticket. So honestly, you could like play back what Ben said in the last few minutes, and it would pretty much be very close to a transcript of what Foster said. I don't know if they actually consulted before this or what, but I mean, I very quote from a press release that I was reading. Graham Flanagan, Ben Stark, thank you both so much. I think we learned a thing or two here about IMAX. What about you? What about ben? me? I have yeah, not. What's your, I, you what's know, your take? Well, you know, I grew up like you, going to the Dome in in Huntsville and field trips, and and I have yet to pay at the Cobb Hollywood 16 to see a movie in the IMAX presentation that they offer. But what I have done is I've walked into the theater after I've bought a ticket for another movie just to get a glance of what the screen looks like as it's playing one of the movies. And as we've mentioned before in private conversations, it's not much bigger than the largest screen that the Cobb has to offer. So based on the eye test, it just doesn't seem like it's worth spending the premium. So I'm kind of in agreement. I just haven't felt the urge. I mean, I think the theater, the digital presentation via picture and sound at the Cobb, specifically in Tuscaloosa, for me, it's good enough to not splurge for the extra $5 or however much it's going to cost for the so called IMAX experience, but I'm afraid we have one of these, you know, so called Limax theaters in Tuscaloosa. So until I have a real IMAX screen available to me at my disposal, I'm just gonna stick to the regular experience that the Cobb has to offer. I think you also mentioned that you said that the, the projection there was, was bad or that it was blurry or that it wasn't in focus or something like that. Am I misquoting you? Misquoting me? Yeah. I thought you said that the IMAX screen at the Cobb in Tuscaloosa was soft or wasn't sharp or, or was dim or something like that. Yeah, you might be thinking of somebody else. Like I said, I've never sat through an entire uh -huh. movie in the IMAX theater. I've only walked in on a couple of different occasions for a glance. I might have joked to you before, there's this LCD or LED or plasma television that sits outside of the IMAX screen that, that offers you a, sort of a glimpse at the sharp presentation of what you see inside the IMAX oh, theater. Oh, okay. And, and That's probably what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, <laughs> I think that the screen that you see on the much smaller television outside of the IMAX theater offers a sharper presentation than what you see in the IMAX theater in Tuscaloosa. So I'd rather watch the big screen television. Wait, so that's a but that's a joke, right? That's not based on anything that you've experienced. Well, yeah, technically it's a joke. But technically it's a joke. Yeah, okay. You know, well, well you're like that all goes back to Manny Hall. Dark. You're like the lady. Or wait, are you joking? <laughs> you said you quit smoking 37 years ago. You're joking, right? <laughs> well, I mean, it, that does go back to what you were saying earlier, Graham, is that in Tuscaloosa, I promise you that the turnover of projectionists is a lot higher than Huntsville, where it's not a college town. So what you get is kind of, again, what the theater management, what the chain theater management is going to give you, not so much this IMAX brand. But, again, just so I don't sound like a complete... Uh, cult member. I agree that there should be a big delineation on the sign that says, this is the IMAX experience you're going to get. This is why you're paying this much. This is why it's different than the IMAX experience in a different town. So I agree that there's confusion and there, it's unnecessary confusion. But at the same time, if I care enough about seeing a movie, because I love movies, I'm going to pay whatever money it takes to see the movie the best possible way. And for me and my local IMAX experience, it's been a very positive thing. I wouldn't return any of that money except for the time I saw 
Transformers 3 twice. I might return it for that second ticket, maybe. <laughs> well, I got to say, you know, one, one last thing about the personnel at these theaters. I have had pretty consistently positive experiences at the Cobb in Tuscaloosa. I think they just must be managed really well and have people that, that care because I usually go there and it's like the picture and the sound are great and the theater's clean and it's just really very comfortable. But up here in New York, it has been really hit and miss since I've been up here. There's so many different theaters that are huge and there have been so many instances where the light, the house lights are still on or the movie's out of focus or the sound is in bad shape. So it can be tough. So if you've got a theater where people are on top of their game and making sure everything is doing what it's supposed to be doing and you know you're you're pretty lucky. I don't want this experience to die. So if it takes a little bit more money out of my pocket, then I'll gladly give them that charity. Graham, are you seeing uh, RoboCop and IMAX? No, but I am considering going to see Gravity in giant IMAX format. I, you know, I've seen Gravity in the theater in 2D, and then I saw it on a DVD screener, and I just feel like I really regret not seeing Avatar in giant IMAX. So, and I feel like this is this is the movie where the experience is warranted. So if I can work it into my schedule and there's not another snowstorm coming through, I'm probably going to try and and see Gravity in IMAX 3D. Yeah, I think I'm going to try to check that out again. And then looking further down the year, I'm definitely going to be driving to Nashville to go to that 70mm IMAX to see Interstellar in November because that's being shot in, again, Christopher Nolan. So lots of that, I think, is going to be shot in native 70mm giant film IMAX. But not 3D, right? No, no. Yeah, I don't think he he does 3D at all, ever. That's another thing I'll say real quick. The IMAX 3D experience is the best 3D experience that I've <laughs> had by far. I wouldn't I wouldn't go see a movie in 3D at all, except for IMAX 3D, because they take those dual 2K projectors, and that brings up the brightness so much that it takes away a lot of that nasty, slimy stop loss that you get in a lot of just regular... 3D theaters. Nice. I'm seeing a tweet from uh, Greg Foster from IMAX. He he just tweeted at Wondermill Films, thumbs up emoticon. <laughs> yeah, I've got him on Skype, so he's privy to everything we're talking about right now. And he keeps asking me to pump up RoboCop for you guys. So really, RoboCop 2014. <laughs> Graham Flanagan, Ben Stark, thank you so much. Thank you. I'll buy that for a dollar. Graham Flanagan is a producer for Business Insider. You can follow him on Twitter at Graham underscore Cam. Ben Stark is a filmmaker at Wonder Mill Films in Huntsville. You can follow him at Wonder Mill Films on Twitter. They are both regular contributors to Aspect Radio. Thank you so much for listening. You can find us on iTunes, follow us on Twitter at Aspect Radio, and find us on Facebook at Aspect Radio. Until next time. I'm losing.